This is a KSHSAA production. First down from the 17 is where they mark it officially. Here's Hancock breaks back at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Jane Hancock. Down to the other end, misses, shot won't go up the gun, and Eudora comes from way behind and goes crazy. Welcome to another edition of the KSHSAA podcast. I am Jeremy Holiday. Uh, this episode, we have lined up Fran Martin and David Cherry. Uh, Fran will talk about some basketball happenings within uh, the association, and David Cherry will talk about some spirit of sport things as well as Scholars Bowl coming up. Uh, so it should be a good episode, our 20th episode of the KSHSAA podcast. Uh, stay tuned. Who do I play for? I play high school basketball for every baller who ever played a pickup game on the driveway, playground, or alley. Because we all share the same dream. I play for buzzer beaters, big time boards, and varying rainmakers. I play high school basketball for the chance to put my hometown in Kansas on the map by playing in a state championship. Only one half of 1% of all high school student athletes play basketball in college. But all 100% of them become adults. That's why playing basketball in their high school team is so important. High school athletes learn life lessons that help them grow up. Lessons that can't be taught in the classroom and often aren't taught at home. I play high school basketball because I love performing in front of a capacity crowd in my hometown gym. This message presented by the Kansas State High School Activities Association and the Kansas Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Okay, we're going to sit down with Fran Martin here, the basketball administrator here in the office, to talk about the basketball season and get an update of how things are going. Fran, you've been going out to a lot of games this year, observing officials, observing teams. Uh, just give us a general synopsis of how you think this basketball season's going. Well, I think so far pretty well. Our, our member schools, um, I think, have tried to do a good job of um, enforcing with their coaches the the new rules and trying to have a little bit less physicality in some of our games. Uh, I think probably at the varsity level, we've done a better job than at the sub-varsity level. Some of our junior high games, I know, get a little bit rough. Uh, part of that is because of the lack of the skill of the players, and, and part of that is the inexperience on the part of the officials. But I have had the opportunity to see a lot of games in a lot of different areas of the state. Uh, I think for the most part, our officials have done a pretty good job of trying to enforce the freedom of movement uh, discussion that we had in our rules meetings and allowing players to be able to get from spot, spot A to spot B um, without being impeded illegally. Um, I think, you know, that is a continual work in progress. And just like at every level, you know, as the season goes on, sometimes we see a little bit of lapse of that. We've tried to do a good job of reminding our uh, officials in our newsletters and hopefully our schools in our newsletters that these things don't go away just because we get to February. Um, but as many of you know, February gets to be, you know, it, it's the time that schools know whether they're going to be pretty good or they're not going to be pretty good. They've finished their midseason tournaments and um, some of the frustration starts setting in for the kids and the coaches and that sometimes gets carried out onto the, the, the court. Well, if we look at the this year, the emphasis that was put from forth by the NFHS, one of them was post play, and and you know just like you said, the freedom of movement and establishing a position on that post block, 
and and the same goes with rebounding. How those emphasis that we've paid attention to this year, what have you seen out there during those games? I think overall we've done a better job. Again, I think probably at the varsity level it's it's significantly better. Um, at the subversity level, we've got a little bit of work to do, but that's experience of officials. And, you know, we've got to put them in situations where they have to make those calls. I would say the post play um, is probably a little bit better. It's more the off-ball stuff that we're maybe not getting called as we should. Um, the cutters going through the paint that get chucked or knocked off course. And, you know, unfortunately, part of our problem is coaches teach that. And when coaches teach it, and then it makes it a little bit harder for um, us to say, well, you know what, you can't do that, but yet our coach is teaching us that. So um, we understand that they're, you know, again, they're trying to teach their kids to uh, disrupt plays, but that disruption of the play cannot uh, impede a, a, a cutter on offense or um, in some cases our offensive players who are trying to back down our defensive players. I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks when I visit with officials talking about verticality and making sure that we understand that if our defensive player has gained a legal guarding position, they're entitled to that legal guarding position all the way to the ceiling. And if a offensive player is trying to create space by putting a shoulder in or pushing off with an arm, we can't penalize our defensive player for being in the right spot um, and doing what they're supposed to be doing. The art of officiating is knowing when were they in that legal guarding position and did they stay in that legal guarding position. Um, and that's the, you know, that, that's one of the things that just takes a lot of experience and a lot of looks at plays in order to be able to just, in a split second, make that decision. And I know that kind of answers. We had a question on Twitter about, you know, what if the offense creates a contact because they were replying to the announcement that, uh, you put out this week, and, and you just answered that question. If the offense does create the contact, the defense established the position. So it's certainly not something that's being ignored, and we, there is a place for the, in the rule. Um, as we move on, state basketball is getting closer, and, and I know we'll, we'll be on again to talk to you more in depth about state basketball, but just today, February 2nd, uh, we've made an announcement that, uh, again, this year we're going to be moving the Hayes tournament this year. It's 1A Division One to Dodge City. Yeah, you know, we're very pleased for Fort Hayes and their, their women's program. Unfortunately, um, the dates of that NCAA women's regional conflict with our dates. Uh, and and we, we tried, we looked at different options to play part of the tournament there, go to a sub-site for part of the tournament and then come back. But frankly, with the fact that they have to have Thursday as a practice day for eight teams coming in, uh, that really eliminated Thursday. It eliminated Friday of us being able to be at Fort Hayes um, at Gross Memorial, which is a wonderful venue for our schools. Um, so the decision was made to look for an alternative location. Um, we were fortunate enough to be able to find something on relatively short notice that at the Dodge City Civic Center. And the Dodge City Civic Center, again, for those of you who haven't been there, it's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of nostalgia. Uh, the Tournament of Champions, which is a wonderful tournament that they put on at Dodge City, played there for many, many years. Um, I think it'll be a tremendous basketball playing environment at the Civic Center, and I'm excited for our Class 1A Division One schools to have the opportunity to play there. So both 1As uh, battling out in Dodge City this year should be an exciting city to be in 
for that time of year. So we'll we'll talk with Fran Martin again as we get closer to the state tournament time. Until that time, keep playing some good basketball. Thanks, Jeremy. More than 7.7 million American teenagers participate in high school sports every year, including about 103,000 here in Kansas. They're all learning essential life lessons, like the importance of hard work, time management and self-discipline, skills that are helping them become better leaders and more active, responsible citizens. This message presented by the Kansas State High School Activities Association and the Kansas Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Bringing David Cherry now to talk about the Spirit of Sport and the Heart of the Arts awards that we just presented uh, this past week to the winners there. I'm bringing him in just to explain how uh, that award is selected and just to talk about those two awards that are, that are definitely very important to the state of Kansas. The National Federation started those a few years ago, and Kansas has adopted the process of doing a Kansas winner and then whoever is the Kansas winners promoted on to the national level. Our selection committee is kind of unique. No other state does that, and that's our student advisory team. So when I get the nominations from all the schools, I put them all together and I send them to the 12-member committee, and they select from their top rank down to the, the last one, and it's kind of like golf. The lowest score wins, mm-hmm. and this year we're really excited that Evan from Greenfield Wheatland Grinnell High School, and Kelly from Osborne was the heart of the arts. You know, as we look at people like that, we always encourage, um, if you have stories like this, and then they're posted on our website and we'll go over them later, um, always encourage schools and and if communities are aware to send those nominations to us, uh, you know. So going forward, when's a good time for schools to start looking for these stories and send them into us? That's a Great thought, Jeremy. The challenge is it's a it's an annual calendar year, not a school year. So sometimes you think academically it starts in August and that's when we turn on the process. But anything that happens in 2016, that's what we want you to nominate for next year. And that will come back on in June is when we turn it back on for the next year. And it's under the entry forms, um, special nominations and you click on that and you can submit any time after June 1. Uh, we'll look forward to presenting those awards and most recently we kind of reminisced a little bit Corey Keene from Jackson Heights our first Spirit of Sport winner back in 2009 uh, just qualified for Olympic trials or something like that from running at Fort Hayes State so that's pretty neat. It's really neat and he was our first one and we presented that at state track way back when and I kind of watched him through the career at Fort Hayes State and now doing very well for himself. Um, and lastly, while David's here, we'll just, you know, we got State Scholars Bowl coming up in a couple weeks, so tell us a little bit about that. Well, hopefully, weather-wise, it's going to be okay. Uh, this Thursday, we have 24 regional sites all over, um, and they're hosting all the member schools, and those qualify out of regionals will go to state in the following Saturday, so we're excited about having Scholars Bowl kind of winding down, but it's an exciting time for the, those teams. As David said, Evan Tustin was selected as the KSHSA Spirit of Sport Award this year from Wheatland High School. Uh, you know, it's a young man who competed in just about everything. 
uh, football, cross country, basketball, track, uh, student council, scholars bowl. But unfortunately, on February 7th, 2015, was diagnosed with some very complicated heart issues and had to have an ICD put in. And, and so it's kind of uh, devastated his dreams of playing those sports as his high school career continues but he's you know he's chosen not to ask why me and and still puts his puts his head forward held head held high and and is now getting clearance to continue to work in in lower um activities as far as physical demand and like golfing some lifting um so he, he's being the manager for the basketball team he's staying motivated and really motivating the kids around him and keeping that positive attitude that that everyone should learn from uh, so he has been selected for the spirit sport award and on the heart of the arts award um a teacher from osborne high school kelly burris who uh was in a very tragic car accident had many many broken bones nearly lost her right leg um so you can imagine it it kind of handicapped her for quite a while but she's the band director there at osborne high school and she never missed a game uh to direct the band band members at the basketball games or whatever it was so she was selected for the heart of arts award this year uh two fine individuals that are very deserving of those awards well, as February hits, we know the championship seasons for the winter season is upon us. We have many, many championships coming up. Scholars Bowl, Piano Festival on, on February 20th, and then it won't be long. We're at boys swimming and diving um, for the sport version, and then wrestling following that February 26th and 27th. Uh, bowling, uh, 3rd and 4th of March, and then after that, basketball, March 9th through 12th. So the next month or two is pretty crazy, and everybody knows that. It's going to be a fun and exciting time uh, for the state of Kansas. I encourage you to go out and catch those championships and enjoy these student athletes and these these students from the activity side that put forth so much effort to be great at what they do and we'll have episode 21 coming up for you shortly thank you